1: Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify.
2: Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of Canucks Conversation. My name is Dave Guadrelli. That is Harmon Dial, our technical producer. The man of the controls is Grady Sass. And our intern, Lachlan Irvin, is also in the house. We are all in the house. We are in our studio from the iconic Sheraton Wall Center in downtown Vancouver. It's starting to snow, Harm, Do you need to leave?
3: It's okay. I did, did, didn't drive in today. I was at the rink because of morning skate, so it made it easier to just take a uh, transit in. Because, yeah, there's no way, again, with summer, tri- summer tires and re- rear-wheel drive, I'd be an idiot to uh, take my car out in this. So, yeah, I'll also say, I also have to ask, by the way, I've been meaning to do this ever since I started doing the show with you. Mm-hmm. What makes the Sheraton Wall Center iconic? Are you kidding me? I actually don't know. Yeah, neither do I. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. It's got a lot of history to
2: it. And I was actually it's funny. I'm not gonna rehash all the history, yeah. but they have a big Wikipedia page about the wall center. And it's 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 actually it's it's legitimate. I'm not just saying this because there are that's where we do the show. It's it's pretty iconic. Like all of the stuff that went into the wall center, um, the controversy section under the Wikipedia page at the time and how it was received at the time. Um you know, it doesn't make much sense now because there's a bunch of high rises, but people were very against a high rise being built. And at the time it was built, it was the tallest building in Vancouver. And that pissed off a lot of people. Um, so anyways, controversially
3: built like a Jim Betting roster. <laughs>
2: no, no, no. It's still standing today. <laughs> it's still standing today. Um, and it's done a great job of housing. This very podcast, which we also should mention, is brought to you by the great folks at HSBC Rugby 7s. HSBC World Rugby 7s is Western Canada's largest sporting event, and this year is the ninth time the event has visited Vancouver as part of the World Rugby 7 series. From February 23rd to 25th, Grab your friends and your best costume and head on down to BC place to catch 12 women's and 12 men's sevens teams, including two Canadian squads take to the pitch for three full days of jam packed rugby and partying. Tickets are on sale now at van starting from just $40 per day, but you don't need to buy tickets per se, because you've got a chance to win some tickets courtesy of us. And that's because we've got a four pack of tickets for the entire weekend to give away text hashtag sevens, that's S-E-V-E-N-S, to 778-402-9680 for your chance to win. We will be giving away a four-pack each week until the event starting this week. So we're coming up. We're coming up close to when we'll be giving it away. Text hashtag sevens to 778-402-9680 to win your chance to go check out Rugby Sevens. I know we probably can't actually do this, and I should have run this by our sales staff. But I think the person that wins, we should get to pick the costume that they wear. Sure, yeah, I think it's a great idea. If you want, if you if you win the tickets and you want us to pick your costume, uh, I've got a few ideas. I think it'll be a good time. It'll be a good time for sure. And I think uh, Harm, you and I got to get out there as well. Uh, You're getting out there. You were out there, and you're getting back out there tonight to Rogers Arena to watch those Arizona Coyotes who Marcus Toe in the YouTube live chat has deemed sneaky good. They're no Anaheim Ducks, but they are there um as one of these sneaky good teams a bit banged up now we're going to talk a little bit later with mike gould uh of the nation network daily face off flames nation uh, canucks army quite often uh mike gould is going to join us later in the show around 2 15 to kind of preview this game a little bit more and tell us what we're missing about those arizona coyotes and speaking of which with the weather look freezing rain tonight i'm not discouraging people from going to the game i'm just curious how many people actually go to the game given the forecast for this evening it might look a lot like a arizona coyotes home game with the number of people yeah. that are in the stands
3: yeah i hadn't thought uh thought about it that way is it really supposed to be that bad tonight
2: well you just look at the temperatures it's snowing until like seven at least this is what my weather app told me is it snowing till seven and then that's going to turn to rain so you would assume that that means ice but look i think a lot of the municipalities saw what happened last week and they were out they were all putting salt down really, really early. But at some point, there's only so much they can do when it's raining like that. So
3: I don't know. We'll Fortunately, see. Fortunately, the snow is pretty light. And honestly, walking around, it wasn't that cold.
2: Yeah, that's so true. So
3: hopefully it's that type of environment because that would be doable for a lot of fans going to the rink. But yeah, I imagine the bigger question for a lot of people is going to be getting home after the game.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what uh, might make it look like Mullet Arena. Uh, I saw people, the SkyTrain workers were... Using the uh using hockey sticks to like pry open the skytrain doors really? and like yeah, chip away at ice with hockey sticks. That's so cool. I love that. I think that's awesome. It's so Canadian. That's the most Canadian thing uh about Vancouver. Other than when it froze over last week. Have you you skated on an outdoor rink, right? We had this conversation.
3: I don't think I have because oh. I always live in a part where I don't have any like lakes nearby me that freeze over. Trout lake? Dude, it was awesome. That's quite a track.
2: Is it from your
3: place 15-20 like minutes? In... Coming from Coquitlam over you got, here. You got to remember, I got a car that literally <laughs> oh, can right. make it there. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: a good point. That's a good point. That's a very, very good point. But I got to tell you, when Trout Lake froze over, it wasn't snowing yet. There was no snow on the ground when it oh, froze really? over. When I went. Yeah, yeah. it was really cool. Anyways, we'll talk uh, outdoor rinks later. I'll give you all the lowdown. Uh, people getting there. Anyone else is in very early today. Really nice to see. Harmon, you were at Canucks Morning Skate. And there's a few news and notes to get to ahead of tonight's game. We'll try to keep it short, as we do with most of our game previews. Uh, Thatcher Demko starts in net for the Canucks night. Connor Ingram goes for the Arizona Coyotes. Quick lineup notes, and we have some audio here from Rick Tockett speaking about Noah Juleson, a guy we've talked about a lot on this show, and, and I'll let you react to Tockett's quote here, but Tockett spoke about Noah Juleson being the guy that comes out of the lineup. Shout out to Adam, former uh, Botchford Project recipient, now with the Hockey News. Um, he asked this question to Rick Tockett.
1: When it comes to players who are being
2: scratched, yeah, uh, how do you keep those players motivated um, when it has been quite a few yeah.
3: weeks before between games?
1: <clears throat> that's the hardest part of our job. Like Neil Jolson, you know, he should be in.
3: Like, and that's a hard part. You know, I, I, you know, he's he's a guy that I sh-
2: think he should be in right now. He knows the circumstances. Um, and I told him, you don't have to like it, but uh, he's such a team guy um, that he, you know, we got to get him in eventually. But he's uh, those are the type of guys you feel. That bad for because there's no reason why he shouldn't be in the lineup. Um, I mean, I'm not going to tell you the reasons why, but um, other guys are playing well too. It it could be it could be a lot of different things. So we're going to have to address that here in the next couple of games because he deserves to get in.
3: Yeah, I thought that was an excellent answer, and that tells me that talkit will have done an excellent job communicating the reasoning, the logic behind that decision to Juleson, which is important in terms of managing that player coach relationship in terms of that player having confidence in trusting the process. And and that's important because the other side of the coin too, is we forget a lot of times we're analyzing everything from a team standpoint. All All we really care about is the team success, but for players, they're always playing for that next contract. They're always trying to look out for their careers. And so for players, it's not just about team success. It's also about, hey, I want to make sure that, and it's not even so much selfish, but you want to make sure that you're putting an opportunity to succeed, and it puts pressure on guys. And what Talkett said about how well Juleson received it, uh, being a teammate, I spoke to Juleson after Morning Skate for a separate story, and he was still in pretty good spirits. Those are the types of guys you need in a locker room to make sure you don't have situations where players are upset with their lack of opportunity and it affects the team's chemistry because there are players that would turn sour and wouldn't quite feel part of the team in that same way. If they feel they're not getting the opportunity they deserve. And I think this also puts a bit of a spotlight now on Ian Cole and watching his performance, of course, didn't have the uh, best game against uh, Columbus on the ice for a couple of goals against, so that's going to be something to watch for as well. And I mean,
2: we've talked, we've talked about that internal competition before, right? Where when you have that in the forward group, which they did at the start of the year, especially with Phil DiGiuseppe getting a roster spot, obviously, in a regular spot in the Canucks' top six, we talked about how the defense hadn't really had that with the injuries that they were facing earlier in the year. With Noah Jolson elevating his game, it raises the bottom line. It raises the standard of that entire defense group, right? Like it's going to make guys like Ian Cole. Know, play to keep their spot in the lineup whereas earlier in the season we would have never talked about Ian Cole even being a guy who you might want to rest every now and then they needed Ian Cole every single night to start the year so Noah Wilson raising his game uh, has had a very very positive effect on the Canucks lineup as a whole this was another note from Morning Skate that I wanted to get to Connor Garland got into the debate about his line with Teddy Blueger and Dakota Joshua needing a name, he said, yeah, we don't need a name. We're a third line, we're a hard line to play against. There's no need to name a third line. There are only certain lines in the league that should have a name. We'll just stick with being the third
3: line. I love it.
2: I great love take. It. I haven't a heard take. a good
3: good name for that line. No,
2: and I, I went on a long rant about that the other day. Yeah. Stop trying to rename the lotto line. Stop trying to give every line that you, you can see a name. It doesn't need a name. And I like it, He goes on in that answer, and he talked about the perfection line. In Boston, right? And, yeah, you know, obviously big, a big Boston name. guy. Yeah, um, We're going to get to it later during Anyone Else, but Connor Garland also did an interview with friend of the show here, John Scott, on John's podcast, Dropping the Gloves. Really good interview if you haven't listened to it already, folks. Uh, it's a good one to go check out. That is Dropping the Gloves, available wherever you get your podcast. And, of course, like I said, we're going to break down some of those quotes during the Anyone Else segment. But before we do that, uh, did you have any notes on Canucks vs. Coyotes before we bring in Mike Gould? I think we're ready to get to Mike. Yeah, we spent 10 minutes talking about the Coyotes, and that was too much. So we're going to bring in uh, Mike Gould again. And Mike, his appearance, is brought to you by Greta. Today's episode, of course, is brought to you by Rugby 7s. I'm getting my reads mixed up. But Mike, his appearance, is brought to you by Greta. The home of our electric watch parties, Greta is Canucks Army's spot to catch the game throughout the season, playoffs, and also our place to chill in the offseason. And folks, we've been hinting at it a lot. There's a watch party coming up. And I this is my thing, Harmon. Every, every week, I'm going to give more info about when the watch party is because I haven't given the actual date yet. Tickets aren't on sale yet, so when tickets go on sale, I think they'll be ten bucks, like they were last time. And we sold we sold that place out with our first watch party, and I'm expecting we'll do the same with this second one as well. I'm gonna give a new piece of information about the watch party date every okay. week. Let's go! And I want to see if someone can guess it in the YouTube live chat. the the um, The watch party is happening between February 20th and 25th. That's what I'll say.
3: Okay, narrows it down pretty quickly.
2: It eh? does narrow it down because people could probably let's well, see. It. I well, how I might games have, are I might in have oversold it. Okay, there's two games. So okay. <laughs> on, <it's just> like, <laughs> I might. Yeah, like I said, I was uh, thinking to myself that I might have over oversold that a little bit and uh, accidentally given the date. But there's two games to pick from in there, so people are it's one or the other, folks. But we are gonna have a watch party uh, during one of those days. Might come a little closer, man. We don't bite. Michael, we made too many Arizona chirps. Yeah, exactly. Mike doesn't want to be here anymore. Uh, Michael joins us in studio. Mike, thank you for taking the time to do this. Thank you for coming out to Vancouver. Uh, You're from Calgary, so you're seeing this snowy weather. Did it alarm you at all at how we were talking about when you look outside and see how much snow is coming down? Did it alarm you that we were talking about potentially not going to the game tonight because of the roads?
4: Uh, you know, I'd wondered about it a little bit. um you guys don't know how to deal with snow out here, so it's you know I look at this and it's it's really not out of the ordinary at all um, but you know it can shut down cities that aren't equipped to to deal with it
2: so in Calgary, how do they deal with snow removal? like do you just have trucks on the road all the time?
4: uh well, when it's snowing, yeah, yeah, well, like, like we have infrastructure that is that is that is our roads downtown are a little bit wider. you guys have really serpentining little yes i know, hate narrow drives, no. roads that that are that are a pain to clear and it's i mean we, we just have we also have more experienced drivers we're probably a slightly better driving city
2: i would have to agree yep. with that yep. yep i am stunned at how many like i actually i got a quick story and we'll get to you in a sec mike today and i swear it's all the tesla drivers today <laughs> i'm driving all the, okay i mean
3: 33 of the whole driving population exactly Wait, yeah
2: <laughs> so i'm driving today and I'm going out and the turning lane is the only thing that's open, okay? So I'm in the turning lane cuz I actually need to turn. I'm not just taking the lane for fun. And this Tesla, not slowing down at all, comes around the corner on the wrong side of the road in the same lane as me and is is going like normal speed. I'm going slow cuz there's still snow on the ground at this point. And this Tesla driver is just gunning it around the corner. Does, like, a sharp veer away to get away. And, like, I kind of had to go the other way into snow. But, obviously, I'm fine. I've got a car that's equipped for the snow. And the Tesla driver just, like, it was, like, water off a duck's back. Like, didn't even move. Just, like, right into my lane. And then veers at the last second. I was, like, you're kidding me. This is why so many accidents happen. Folks, slow down in the snow. Was it a Cybertruck? No, no. It was one of these, uh, white, I don't know, model. Let a
4: white Tesla. It was or a, a model- white Tesla. <laughs> like a Model 3 or something.
2: Yeah. Anyways, thanks for joining us.
4: Hey, thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: okay, next segment. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, we'll talk to you about those Arizona Coyotes yeah. uh, because we have questions. I have questions about uh, Matias Michelli. Yeah. I have a lot of questions about him. I know he's Finnish because Tommy Koivinen, who is a Finnish writer out here, yeah. uh, sit next to him in the press box the rare times I go to games. And he was telling me about Matthias Michelli and we were talking about him quite a bit.
4: I really like Michelli. I put him on my Calder ballot last year. As you should. How is he doing this year? He's doing well. Um, he's been a little bit off of late. He has he and Yusuf Alamaki who is also Finnish, had identical injuries that happened in back-to-back games where they both put took puck to the mouth uh and it left them pretty banged up and so they've both been wearing the fishbowls lately and Michelli's kind of taking a little bit of a downturn lately uh, he was really hot to start the year I was thinking he should maybe be their all-star uh he's yeah you were talking about he's Finnish. he you know he's he's got some Italian in him yeah. uh he's maternal he, grandmother yeah uh, he's also got some Florida in him he's He's from all over the place. Yeah, and before so, I
2: voted on the Calder, I checked how yeah, he was Italian. Yeah,
4: and so and so he's, but he's he's a lot of fun. He's he's a, he's gonna play on the top line tonight. He's playing with Keller and uh, Jack McBain. Uh, there's a bit of you know question about whether Nick Schmaltz is gonna play for Arizona tonight because he left the Calgary game a couple days ago uh, late in the second period with an upper body injury. Uh, so that's the usual right wing on that top line. They're shifting Michelli over to the right side. He's shifty. He's very much like Keller. He shoots, he's shooting the puck a lot more this year, which was the big knock against him last year, is that he didn't shoot enough. Uh and yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see because the top line this year has really struggled without Barrett Hayden, the number one center. And uh, you know, they've really had some issues controlling possession. Uh, so this is a bit of a different look. I'm curious to see what they can do. I
3: wanted to ask you just in general, what you think the biggest threat for a team like the Canucks is against. Arizona, who I don't think many people watch on a consistent basis. Uh,
4: I would say goaltending is a big thing. Connor Ingram is the league leader in shutouts. He's got five of them. Uh, you know, he can steal games. He very nearly did against Calgary the other night, although I would say that the Coyotes were actually the better team in that game. Um, the other thing that Arizona is deceptive on is when they are all firing, they have very good forward depth. It's just a matter of, you know, the the they their depth guys are a little bit more streaky. A guy like Jason Zucker... Uh, Is very much a hot and cold type of guy, and so the way that they're running with their lineup tonight, whether Schmaltz is in or not, uh, they've got a very experienced second line with Schmaltz or with uh, with Kraus with uh, Alex Kerfoot, who's been really good, and uh, with uh, uh, Zucker, Kraus Zucker and uh, and 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 it's and and it's been uh, it's been it's been it's been a good line, but it's been a little inconsistent. And uh, the third line is going to be Cooley, Gunther, and Bukestad. And the young guys, I mean, Cooley has been really inconsistent, too. So they have the forward depth on paper to be a very good team. It's just been a matter of that consistency. And without Schmaltz and Hayton, the top line has been a little bit rough. So when that secondary scoring doesn't come through, they can be pretty easy to beat. But if the goaltending and the secondary scoring does come through, then they're pretty good.
2: Canucks fans want to know how are Troy Stetcher and Travis Dermott doing?
4: Uh, Stetcher's been really good. You know, this is Stetcher's second year uh, with the Coyotes. He was traded to the Flames uh, at the deadline last year and a bit of a funny trade with uh, the Richies going the other ways and uh, Connor Mackey. And you know, Stetcher, I, everybody in Vancouver knows who Troy Stetcher is. He's a, he's a meat and potatoes, heart and soul guy who will, you know, he's, he's a little guy, you know, the kind of guy who you wouldn't think that a coach would love because he's not the biggest guy, he's like quadrelly sized but uh you know he he really does what he needs to do to endear himself to his coach and he's playing on a pairing right now with michael kesselring who's been really good uh you know just this this big offensive defenseman who they got from edmonton and the nick Bugstad trade last year that's been a really good pairing uh travis Dermott's playing with matt Dumba. Dermott has been uh he's been mostly healthy this season i know that was a big thing with mm-hmm. when he was with the canucks he couldn't stay healthy Uh, he's been all right he's on a two-way deal he's been a fixture like he's been able to stay in over guys like josh brown and balamaki lately um he's had his struggles he's been okay i would say he's been probably the better of his pairing with matt dumba who has really struggled uh this season dumba has been you know the the reason he's in the lineup probably for arizona right now is because he's making four million dollars it's been a bit tough for Matt Dumba. dermot has been, I would say, the better of the two, but it's uh, of those two. But I would say Stetcher of the former Canucks has probably been the better of those two. Um, and of course, there's other former Canucks on the team, but it's just like, you know, those are, those are the two who are right now the most regular guys.
2: Okay, score prediction for tonight.
4: You know, it's, it's hard to say because Arizona's been in a bit of a lull of late uh, and the Canucks obviously have been very hot. So I will say that it goes to overtime. I'll say it'll be 4-3. I'll say it'll be for Vancouver. Okay. Yeah. Good job. You're endearing yourself. Love yeah. It. You know what? Hey, I love coming out here. It's uh, it's it's a great city, even when it's like this. So.
2: Yeah. This is like the worst weather we'll get all year, and we get you, it for maybe you guys, two days a year. <laughs> you guys
4: don't know how good you have it. it no, was, no, we do, was, and we're reminded was, every time we it pay was, rent. <laughs> it was it was in Calgary last week. It was minus forty-two, uh, not including windshield.
2: It's a dry cold.
4: It's a. Yeah. I've been to Edmonton. That's, that's, I was... that, that's the thing. Every Calgarian's first words are "It's a dry cold."
2: Yeah, I went to Edmonton like two years ago with Faber, and Faber forgot his winter coat. He was wearing a hoodie, and he was fine. And that's what everybody in Edmonton yeah, told us you too. Don't you don't have to wear... go outside
4: in Edmonton. You can stay in West Edmonton Mall the entire time, and you've got the Edmonton experience.
2: I just want to know why the airport's so far away in Edmonton? Edmonton. It's ridiculous.
4: Well, they used to have an airport in downtown Edmonton. I know, um, but now it's on like Laduke or something. It's... Yeah,
3: Laduke. Well, when you have a city so bumping, like I did, <laughs> you
4: hey. just can't afford to farm Harm <laughs> is, is, loves the Edmonton scene, don't you? Oh, it's, I, it's, I, it's, it's, it, it, I swear, it's somehow
3: it. I end up out there every year at the start of the season. <laughs> yeah, because Trance pulls rank on I you know. and sends you out there. <laughs> God yeah. damn it. It's like me with Wyatt.
2: Anyways, uh, Mike, thanks so much for doing this, man. Thank you. Much appreciated. You're obliged. There he was. Mike Gould.
3: Hi.
4: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: With that, let's get to anyone else brought to you by DoorDash. It's time for anyone else presented by, you guessed it, folks, DoorDash. It's our listener's chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat. And it's also our listener's chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. That's right. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. That's all capital letters NATION and the numbers 25. Offer valid in Canada, subject to change, terms do apply. Ordering is easy. You just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want from where you want, and your items will be left safely outside your door with their default contactless delivery setting. And there's double dash too. Double dash is fantastic. Double dash, I tell everybody about double dash. You order from multiple restaurants, stores, whatever you need in the same deliveries, no additional delivery fees. So you order yourself, let's say Armin, you order yourself a Big Mac, right? And then you think, oh man i'm not a toothpaste have no fear <laughs> doordash is there uh so get so everyone can get what they want and you check it out uh doordash the promo code again is nation 25 i think you should start saying ding dong when i say doordash i should I that used was a to good bit favorite i had well i used to do that yeah. when i'd fill in when you would fill in for yeah that was the best oh those were the days those were the days when you would uh, fill in for me and I didn't have to go to work. Also, shout out. You and Irf did a great job when I was gone last week. That was nice. Um, okay, let's get to it immediately. I love this. Pim Pan Strong, would you trade Philip Hronik for Joel Eriksson Ek straight up? Well, that's, that's such a good question. So, let, let, let's lay it out while you think about it. Because I, I am all vibes, right? Eriksson Ek has a better contract. Philip Hronik is going to cost yeah. you more. But he plays a more premium position. There are different things to weigh here. And I think, I I genuinely don't think, like, if this gets clipped and this gets posted, I think there are either going to be people who say, without a doubt, you make this trade, and then there are going to be people who say, no, you don't even entertain this trade. Like, Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be an equal amount of people on both sides with very strong opinions on this trade proposal. Eric Seneck for Filiporonik.
3: So, let's establish what Eric Seneck is, right? He's... A Selkie quality two way player put up 61 points last year. He's on pace for 57 this year. So he's a high end, really high end number two centerman. And I'd I'd frame it this way I think Heronic, if you were to forget about the contract, Heronic would be obviously the better fit for what this team is. Absolutely. But Man, Erickson Ek is on a steal of a contract. 5.25 until 2029, and he's only 26 years old. Whereas Heronic might... We've, we've heard Frank Cervalli mention that the cap on his next yeah. contract might start with eight. So I think you'd have to weigh it up. It, it wouldn't be... It's not an easy decision because Heronic's really tough to replace. I mean, how how else are you going to find a top pair of right-handed defenseman? That's
2: kind of what I come back to is... <clears throat> Heronick plays the more premium position. And yes, I know he's going to cost more than Ek. But I think when you look at the Canucks roster construction, like if you add yeah. if you add Ericksonek, they get better. But if in turn you're taking away Philip Haronik, I think you're taking out a huge chunk of what makes yeah. this team good. So I yeah, say no. I don't think
3: you can do it. I say no. I say no to even the Even though I love that contract, even yeah. though I love Ek, I don't think you could do it.
2: Yeah. DM Payne saying Boone Jenner. I love it. I love it. We got a lot of people in the YouTube live chat. Get here. Anyone else is in, folks. We've got a lot already, so let's keep going here. This one from Logan Van Dyke. I said that name correctly. Does anyone have some neat Canucks memorabilia or merchandise? I recently found my Luke Bordon ticket stub with the LB pin from the 2008 season opener against Calgary. I really like that. I like that's a really really cool piece of memorabilia. I had a uh, Elias Petterson signed draft puck. Like it had the draft logo from his draft in Chicago, and I have that in a case. It actually used to be on this desk right here. It used
0: to be part of our set. It's um, in the DoorDash bag behind you.
2: There you go. It's right there. There it is. There it is. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's it's probably my coolest piece of memorabilia. I've got that. Um, what else do I have? I mean, I have a. Uh, I wanted to get, I should say. I have a Bryce Harper rookie card, and it's like I have that framed, and I think that's gonna be worth stuff. a lot. You brought baseball into it. Oh my goodness, I'm fucked well, out. It's my coolest piece of memorabilia, I'd say. But the Patterson one's signed, but also Harper stuff is gonna go more, go for more money than Patterson stuff
3: does. The question was Canuck's memorabilia.
2: Oh, sorry, I didn't know it was Canuck's
3: memorabilia. <laughs> okay, do you have any? I just have, um, the a couple jerseys from being a kid growing up, I don't have anything beyond that
2: i've told the brian allen story on this show but i'll tell it again brian allen former canucks defenseman had a signing in the Lowheed mall walmart when i was four years old i think that's when he was with the canucks i'd have to look it up but i think i was four or five i was young and i was so excited and as as you could probably guess knowing me as a mid-20s person i was a very talkative kid so all day i would not stop talking about how i was going to meet brian allen and i was going to ask him this this and this i went up to brian allen and he was like hey how's it going buddy and I completely froze. I got starstruck by Brian Allen. I had this Varsity Canucks jacket on and I handed him a Sharpie and threw my arm on the table, the fold up table at Walmart and just like didn't say anything. And he's like, you want me to sign this? And I just nodded. And then now I have I don't even know where it is. It's so old, right? Um, I had I have this Varsity Canucks jacket with the old orca on it. That is just signed by Brian Allen on one arm, and that's that's, that's my Brian that's Allen. That's a pretty awesome story. Yes. Uh, okay. Moving right, <laughs> right past that, Corey Anderson. Speaking of Juleson, has he done enough with his play lately to feel confident in having him part of the defense core moving into next season? This is a great question, Corey, because you look at who is going to be departing from this Canucks team. Right. Um, they're not going to be able to keep Nikita Zadorov and Tyler Myers. They're probably going to be able to keep one of those guys. I, I don't even want to use the words be able to I think just given how this team would like to construct their roster they're probably not going to pay up for both guys and we saw Dolly throwing it out there that Myers probably isn't going to be signing for anything less than uh two three million and I think that might be pushing what the Canucks are comfortable spending um on him and Zadorov. we've already heard the the initial kind of price tags of what Zadorov might command on the open market so you're probably not signing both of those guys maybe one of them maybe Noah Juleson represents a pretty cost-effective option who can be your seventh guy. He can push your bottom line. I think absolutely you're okay with having him be part of his defense core, coming in as your seventh defenseman. He's showing that he can play in Rick Tockett's system, and that matters. That matters a heck of a lot.
3: For sure. He's already locked up for next season at a league minimum rate. He's uh, shown that he's been competent when he's been in the lineup. I, I love that. I mean, what more do you want in a, in a number six, seven defenseman? Yep, absolutely. Simple.
2: Uh, Oz Abbey prospects slash asset with the highest trade value that you wouldn't mind losing. Who has the highest Ooh. trade value of anybody in Abbotsford?
3: Would it be Ratu? Would it be Vasily Pod Colson? Draft I pedigree. I don't think Pod Colson has much.
2: You don't think Pod Colson has more than Ratu, hey? Well, here's the thing: age matters a ton. Age matters a ton. Position as well, sure. Uh but like Rachu isn't doing anything spectacular True. in Abbotsford. So for a guy that is going to be 22 next season, and Pod Colson's, Colson's 22 right now, he's he's only a year older. Pod Colson's only a year older, right? He's played more NHL games. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I thought they were two years apart. He scored at the NHL level. They're two draft classes
3: apart, though. That's interesting. Yeah. Based off their birth. Uh, days. Um,
2: and like I said, Pod Colson has the 10th round pick, or excuse me, 10th round, 10th overall pick like price tag, right? Like he gets that bump in his price because he was a first round pick. I would say Pod Colson probably has the most trade value. If you're asking me if I wouldn't mind losing Pod Colson, I'd say for the right price, anything's on the table. And I think that's what I've been saying for the past two weeks. And I kind of stand by that, that if it's a, if it's a piece that makes this team better and it makes sense both in the here and now, or in the here and now and in the future, I say, yeah, you make that trade, and I'm comfortable losing Vasily Colson if that's what it costs.
3: Yeah, whether it's Colson or, or Ratu or, or Baines, for the right piece, none of those guys are, of course, off limits. Yeah,
2: exactly. And shout-out Archie Baines. We've said it a few times this week. Going to the AHL All-Star Game. Shout-out to him. He's a great story. Um, Yeah, it's good stuff. Okay, what do we have here? We've got a few from various people. Uh, Oznuck asked, which Canucks player has sold the player's jersey has sold the most all time. There's got to be a stat on that, but I would my initial reaction would be it has to be Pavel Bure, yeah, or Trevor Linden. It's one of those two.
3: Yeah, Loango is probably out there too. Oh, Loango! I was gonna go
0: with Roberto. Do yeah. you do
2: you know do you know like do you actually know the answer, Grady? No, I'm okay. just I'm just
0: thinking yeah relevancy and longevity and kind of, you know, he had the superstar attachment before he came here with Florida too. If this
2: isn't out there, I am I think I'm going to send it. I had
0: a Luongo jersey, so. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to send a own message. My bias is coming in. I'm
2: going to try to send a message to NHL PR, Canucks PR, see if they have the data on hand. My favorite thing that I did in the offseason was, and it wasn't even with PR, it was just from people within the Canucks organization. I didn't bother PR during the summer. Don't worry, folks. Um, I was trying so hard to find out what happened to that RC Orca blimp Oh, yeah. And nobody knows. Nobody
0: knows. Like Trevor Linden would probably be up there too, just because there's a lot of, you know, older heads, let's say, that uh, probably worshipped him during the 94 run. And then when he came back, too, would be my guess. Did you say Linden? I said him. (laughs) (laughs) Gritty interrupts my orchid (laughs) talks. Bertuzzi, Naslin.
2: Yeah, that's the thing is, I, 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 and this is just purely based off what I see at the ring. Kessler. Henrik Sedin jerseys sold better than Daniel Sedin jerseys over the course of the two's career. Yeah,
3: I think so, definitely. Yeah. I think it might Captain. be a wide margin,
2: too. The exit jerseys, Grady brought those up. Um, Luongo was by far the most popular. Yes, thing undoubtedly, to. undoubtedly. He was my favorite player growing up, uh, kind of in that era. And yeah, that RC Orca blimp that used to drop, like, blockbuster coupons and stuff. Nobody knows what happened to it. And we're trying very, very hard at Canucks Army to get to the bottom of it. Uh, okay, jesse c what goes on the name bars if the two Petersons ever play together i thought about this in new jersey luke hughes and jack hughes their jerseys just say hughes it doesn't say l hughes or j hughes right
3: yeah no it doesn't
2: so i think it's the exact same thing yeah. here it's just gonna say petterson because why would you do e petterson if it's not even gonna be different i think it's just gonna say petterson and you should be able to tell who's who they're gonna be that's the thing is when you sit away or, or you you don't even need to see the jersey numbers to know which players which, I'm sure fans understand this too. When you're watching on TV, you know who the players are based on their skating strides. I think it's gonna be pretty easy to tell yeah. which one's uh center Elias Peterson and which one's D uh Defenseman Elias Peterson as
3: well. Okay, is that it? D P D is a good nickname, by the way. I don't know if you were I for don't like D P D. No, I right. what do you it? like better?
2: Uh D P D is a little a little inappropriate, maybe. One might say. <laughs> what
3: what kind of What do you mean their, by that? Why
2: are Can we giving expand? this kid the name D.P.D.? Why? I don't know. It's repeaty. I go by repeat. Oh, yeah. Terrible. You're repeating. No. No, oh,
3: whatever. I'd rather EP2. E P two, I like that that's a lot not, more. Okay, that's that's not bad. But repeat is definitely worse are, than D P D. Say it out loud. Say
2: it are you kidding me? Repeat is worse than DPD. Don't make yeah. me say DPD anymore. I still don't get it. I don't know. Uh, uh, Yeah, what are you talking
3: about? It's a family show. You got your your mind in the gutter, man. Whatever.
2: Um, Okay. Do we have anything else here? This is interesting. This is from Ty David. And I don't think, again, I don't think we agree with this because we've thrown this out a lot. And I don't want to rehash the whole argument. But Ty David, this is his opinion, so I want to read it. Stan Pat this year. The window to win just opened and teams rarely win the cup in the first year. They become contenders. Don't waste trade equity respectfully I disagree and Jim Rutherford had an interview with Patrick Johnson of the province yesterday and he kind of repeated the same thing that yeah we're going to make some moves at the deadline and it sure looks like this team is going to be are going to be buyers at the deadline Uh, so we'll see we'll see what ends up happening at the trade deadline okay we've got a few things here um, to get to for the anyone else segment and Grady this is all just kind of stuff that I've thrown together because I have a few things The first one I want to bring up before we get to the stuff with Connor Garland and John Scott is Tyson Cole wrote an article over at Canucks Army where he compared the 2011 team to this year's team. One thing that I found really interesting was the 2011 team's time spent leading compared to this year's team. So this is what he wrote. The 2010-11 Canucks spent 1,106 minutes with the lead, 43 more minutes than any other team. This year's Canucks spent 1,235 minutes with the lead, 175 more minutes than any other team. That just blew me away. Like that was, that was a crazy, crazy stat to read. And again, of course, we're looking at the exact same sample size. It was 41 games for this team and 41 games for the 2011 team. And Harm, I said this to you off air. That's the best team to never win the cup. Yep. If this year's team doesn't win the cup,
0: that's their title. That team, I remember, used to give up a goal or early couple goals for that matter and would work their way back into the games and they get a couple power plays and voila, they would come back and win.
2: Yeah, the comeback kids, that was what they were called back then. And now
0: this year we see this team gets the lead. Uh, going into the second intermission and locks it down for the third.
2: Yep, yeah, best team ever. I don't like <laughs>
0: comparing this team to the 2011 yeah. one at all. Because I... it
2: makes you feel bad that the 2011 team wasn't as
3: good as you thought? Uh, you're hilarious. I... Come on.
0: <laughs> Stop this. Let's, wait, let's this get, get the... to the playoffs first. How about that? They are there. I've been team, in
3: the playoffs since November. That 2011 team, as you said, is one of the best teams to never win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you, you that, That's not the bar this team is at. No. Well, think Stop. about think about how many you're how many you're first like and second
0: to
2: push every button.
0: How many first flags. and second round exits did they have leading up to that year? Fair right? especially against Chicago. Yeah,
2: and this team's so. got zero. So again, you're right, Grady. This team is better than that one. Um. <laughs> so let's uh, let's get to uh, this other stuff from uh, Connor Garland. His interview with John Scott, uh, friend of the show, like I said, on dropping the gloves. It was very very interesting. Uh, some of the quotes that Garland gave uh grady let's get to the one where he spoke about Rick Talckett and his impact on this team uh, compared to what they were playing like when Talkett was hired um when Bruce Boudreau was still the head coach of this team and how different it is with Rick Tocket as the head coach
0: this year are you twenty nine and eleven and Ford first place, and everything's going in for you guys
1: yeah we had we had talk come in halfway through the year last year and implement a system um and i think something underrated was we had we had that 30 games to kind of get caught up and we didn't have a lot of turnover and we added some new d and in, in a couple forwards but uh, a lot of us understood the system going into camp and then the guys that didn't picked up on it very quickly so that was that was a huge advantage for us coming into the season and get off to a good start and you know last year we, we lost a lot of leads and it, it's tough sometimes when you don't we don't have uh, something to fall back on. And, and now when we have a lead, we, we understand how we have to play. We don't change how we play, but we play. We play in your face and we push two and, and you know, we stick to our system. And it's uh, it's implemented very well, where all four lines can get rolled out and play it, whether we're down or up. So it's it's our team to play against when, when we are playing well. So how
2: different is the system? People are mad at me for even bringing up the 2011 team. I don't know it was a good article it was a good article over it can I start from Tyson I really like the idea but anyways um this next one from Connor Garland I found it really interesting um but before we go to that I want to just kind of touch on that quote we just heard from Connor Garland and what Rick Talk has brought to this team like obviously Garland isn't going to throw Bruce Boudreaux under the bus but it does it looks like a completely different team under Rick talking and again, Garland brings up the end zone d- defending uh, and, and that sort of stuff. And he didn't get into it too, too much, but, you know, he did kind of give some hints. Like we know that the players know that the bar is higher and that they're a better coach team with Rick talking in charge.
3: Yeah. And what he specifically referenced with the 30 games on the stretch, how, how much of an impact that made going into training camp in terms of understanding the system. I remember when Talkett was first hired a lot of people, including myself, were looking at it and almost going, "Hold on a second! You've got a generational talent in Connor Bedard. Why not just, of course, pull pull the trigger on firing Bruce Boudreau, name Mike Yo interim coach, and play out the tank for the rest of the season? Hire talking in the summer because it's not as if talking at that point was consistently coming up as a head coaching candidate for a bunch of other jobs. There's, of course, a relationship you can kind of get a handshake. Mm-hmm deal done and just leave the paperwork and until the off season. So that's what I thought, because I thought, man, the top of that draft class is so good. You're going to end up getting a new coach bump. It's just going to worsen your, your lottery odds. It's aged really well that move because they've hit the ground running. So that's, uh, that's something that uh, sticks out because again, a year ago, I was like, why not hold off? And what's, what's the rush? What's the impetus to have to, give talk at a 30 game runway
2: that was the question we were all asking and now you imagine if they hadn't done that you remember those 30 games Do you remember the second game that rick talkett coached of this team how he was ready to pull out what was left of his hair like he was so mad after that game and we've heard all the stories um about rick talkett there and how he kind of couldn't believe and the grade school quotes that we've heard oh, from rick yeah. talkett right like the guy the guy knows what he's doing and hey like so does canucks management to some extent right like of course those guys made the right call and Look, we were wrong because I, I know Faber and I both were asking the exact same thing that you've got to go for the tank. You've got to go for the tank here. What good is it going to do? Did a lot of good. Like yeah. imagine this team had to learn all those lessons that they learned at the end of last year, at the start of this year. You're into another disastrous season. And as much as we've talked about Elias Patterson, imagine how that would play into everything. They have another disaster of a season.
3: Especially because I think part of the logic for why a lot of people part of the logic for why i was arguing that just play out the tank wait wait until the summer to hire head coaches because i mean boudreaux had an opportunity to take over mid-season had this unbelievable start and it didn't translate the year after so exactly that's a good point i was like is that really gonna push the needle considerably enough for this team yet it has so kudos to to management and uh, talk it absolutely
0: absolutely uh grady do you have something you want to say yeah, that uh, interview with Garland, what I thought was super interesting, and then I'll expand it on how the Canucks Army angle comes in. So he talked about how they're getting their sticks in the lanes and keeping guys to the outside. And one of your writers today, Quads, uh, Stefan Roger, wrote about the whole PDO, uh, let's say, um, I don't know, mystery, if you want to call it. And why that number isn't likely to regress a lot is because, the save percentage, the team save percentage of the Canucks is super high right now because they're actually able to get a lot of saves from the outside, which are easier, obviously, to stop. So that's going to increase your overall save percentage. Thought That was an interesting article. I encourage uh, people to go read it today. And uh, Harmon Quad's interested to hear your thoughts on that.
2: That's a great point, actually. And we'll, we'll talk about the PDO thing a little bit. And shout out to uh, Jackson McDonald on Roxy Fever. I was listening to Roxy Fever Um and he brought up the idea that PDO is a stat that obviously takes five, five and five save percentage and five on five shooting percentage and just combines them. And I think when you're looking at this team, you need to separate the two and figure out which one is unsustainable, because I think one of those is unsustainable. And one is just like, yeah, OK, we knew the cops we were going to get good goaltending.
3: Right. So like, yeah, but even that can be volatile. I'm just saying like, that is more can likely be. To, sustain, to sustain itself. But remember last year, the Canucks had the worst five, like one of the worst five on five save percentages uh, in the NHL. Well, yeah, but that's not hurt. That's the point. Right. But even when he was healthy, he had that tough start.
0: Yeah. Well, was... think think about all those high danger, you know, cross crease through yeah. the Royal Road channel. I mean, there's right? a lot that goes into it, but yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna And know. and too, like we've talked about, there is like superstar talent here that knows how to pick their spots, whether it's Brock Besser, you know, Elias Pettersson reloading when he gets a puck, um, JT Miller skating downhill. Like these shots are beating NHL goalies cleanly. It's not like they're little trickle in dribblers, you know, off a defenseman's stick or foot and goes in. Yeah, I'm sure there's, there's luck obviously involved in this, but, you know, the superstar talent in the end of the day over an 82-game season is going to rise to the top. And that's without a guy like Andre Kuzmenko, who had, you know, the best shooting percentage in NHL history last year.
2: I like it. This is from uh, Oznuck in the chat. Random info, talking and Naslund were once line mates. You go look at Marcus Naslund's numbers in Pittsburgh. How shocked do you think Rick Tockett was when he came to Vancouver and saw Naslin's number in the Raptors? Wow, I hadn't made that connection. That's pretty I, I want to ask Rick about that. I think that's a really interesting thing. Thank you, Oznak, for that. Um, although, I got to see if Tockett was on this team. In his last year... Yeah, no, he wasn't on the team. Okay, so... Wow. So, when when Naslin started to turn it around in Pittsburgh, the season that he put up 19 goals and 33 assists through 66 games, 52 points in 66 games, that season... Rick Tockett was not on the Pittsburgh Penguins. The seasons before... I'm trying to check if Tockett was on this team. He he was. No, he wasn't. Where, Where do, do you see Tockett? 93-94. Yeah, yeah. So, sorry. I, I was looking at 94-95. That was the one that I'm saying. 71 games at the NHL level for Marcus Naslin. Four goals and seven assists. That was the season that they played together. But he was also 20. Yeah. It
3: happens for prospects. So, Naslin, of course. But... A
2: prospect putting up 11 points through 71 games in his rookie year ends up in the rafters. Come on, yeah, fair well, you know, like it's it's interesting. I like it. I like it. I I want to ask talking about that. That's such a great great point. Thank you so much, Oznuck. That's awesome. Um, pretty short lived. We would assume. Anyways, um, do we have anything else for anyone else? Oh yeah, we had one more thing on. Uh, the garland interview uh let's get to this grady this is connor garland uh talking about his line uh, with dakota joshua and teddy bluger
0: a lot of press for good reasons what makes this line work so well and why is everybody talking about you guys when you have a
1: team with jt miller you got petterson you got all the great russians you got quinn hughes why is everybody talking about you guys sometimes nicer when they don't you know when that when that uh, big big line <laughs> has some nice nights it's it, it's nice to go under the radar but um it's three players. Uh, I think Teddy is is very underrated how good he is defensively. He he keeps so many plays alive with his poke check and and how he stabs the puck and keeps it alive in the O zone. And then Dak is I think he leads the league. He's up there in the top for hits. Um, and, you know, has 11 goals. So two two guys that are really they are top two PKers as well So they're so defensively responsible and I um, you know, sometimes try to provide some offense for the line And you know, if it goes in it goes in if not, you know, we create energy and, and do stuff uh, You know that, that doesn't end up on the score sheets And we just try to be effective each and every night as a third line you have to you have to bring energy no matter what Far too humble
2: i'd say. Yeah Well, I, that's a that's if a i'm connor garland time. and we are the same height and I get asked that question, and I'm Connor Garland, so I'm the engine that drives that line. Like, yeah, they were talking about training me at the start of the year. I didn't like my role in Vancouver, and I've basically turned these guys into something that can succeed at five on five. I'm I've been a five on five play driver my whole career. It's never worked out in Vancouver, and now it's working out. I'm actually the only reason that line is doing it. <laughs> that's that would be what I would say if I was Connor. Is that your Elvis
3: Mirzlekan's impression? Oh yeah, that's <laughs> right pulled the monster out <laughs> I of pulled
2: me. the monster out of me this season you have to understand I out Casey to Smith anyways oh man Captain Canuck love your contributions but uh Captain Canuck I'm sorry Captain I have to read this call him Captain there let's be real though Bedard isn't as good as we all thought he was going to be oh not no. to say that he won't become good in the future I am not reading all of you people's responses an
0: awful take look at who he has on his line I like Captain Canuck play.
2: But I'm not, I'm not getting into the, the responses. A lot of people responding uh, to Captain Canuck about that take. And yeah, it's great. It's like you said, it's the line mates that Bernard has. You imagine what Bernard would look like on this team. And there's your second line center. Like it's, uh, Connor Garland with Andre Kuzmenko and Ilya Mikheyev, although they're not playing great right now.
0: That's a pretty good second line center on this team. But let's be realistic, guys. They were never going to be. That bad at the end of the season to get those you know higher draft odds. Sure, maybe they could have got some luck and the balls could have rolled their way. Actually, wasn't there wasn't one of the ball combinations like a couple digits off? They were one ball away from getting goodard with the eleventh. There you odds. go. Hey, who knows? in but an so, alternate don't universe.
2: Like, six, I, I looked into this more. Like seven teams every year are always one ball off.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you had Demko coming back. He played really well after his injury last year. Mm-hmm. You know, you had Miller doing his thing, Pedersen. Like they were still scoring, they just couldn't keep the puck out of their net. And then when Talkie came in, it's basically a continuation of what we've seen this year, right?
2: We're getting Sackett comparisons in the chat. I love this. This is great. This is from Viper's Whip. Sackett got a hundred points playing on the worst Quebec team of all time. He was better than Bernard. Are we really gonna do this though? Like Bernard's a great player. Probably going to be the best, one of the best players Different in the league. Different
0: era, man.
2: Different era, but also Sackick's a Hall of Famer. Like, Sackick's yeah. one of the best players of all time. Bedard's played what? 35, 40 games? Man, I don't think anybody was saying Bedard is going to go down as one of the best players of all time, but, you know, he might be one of the best players in the league for some time. You know where he's from, right? Lynn Valley. Oh, I do two sneezes every time. And you know where Joe Sackick's from? North Burnaby.
3: Also, for reference, <laughs> Stephen Stamkos. Yeah. Who, how many 50, 60 goal seasons did he have? Unbelievable player. 46 points as a rookie. Under Rick Tockett, actually.
0: Yeah. But, but look who he had to play with. He had Marty St. Louis yeah. and Vinny LeCavalier on that team, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Brad Richards, too. I Are think.
2: we aiding Captain Canuck's argument? Are we turning this into uh, Bernard actually sucks? No, no but no, the, like, the point my- is,
0: like, Austin Matthews comes in the league. He has Mitch Marner. He has William Nylander. You know, Connor McDavid has Leon Drysettle, Nathan McKinnon has Mikko Rantanen. These guys get to play with superstars. They don't really have that in Chicago right now. Like, with all due respect to who is the, the kid they drafted, Will Smith in the first round? Like, he's got to get to that level, Right. There's still so many pieces away they have in Chicago to build.
3: What were you going to say? McKinnon also only had 63 points as a yeah. rookie. The following year had 38 points in 64 games. And now Bust. look at what Nathan McKinnon is. Yeah,
0: it's it's Bust. not always a gradual, <laughs> you know, up trajectory development. There's but it should be, be if you're good at <laughs> hockey. <laughs> Which you
2: aren't. Anyways, <laughs> thank you for your uh, interaction, everybody. We appreciate it. It's good. Uh, okay, let's get away from anyone else here. I think I got everything. And I had a few things I wanted to bring up. Uh, But I think that is it. And we forgot to do Light the Lamp. So let's do that. It's time for Light the Lamp, brought to you by our friends at Four Winds Brewing. I have to remember who they're playing tonight. Okay, there it is. My script said Pittsburgh. Here we go. Vancouver is playing Arizona tonight, and we want to know who's going to score the first goal for Vancouver. If you nail it, you could win a $25 gift card to the four wins tap room located at 72nd and river road in Delta. Enter by following us on social media. Keep an eye out for today's show clip and comment who you think will light the lamp and score the first goal tonight. Winners will be contacted directly. Check us out at Canucks army or at Canucks combo on Twitter at Canucks Army.com on Instagram and Canucks army on Facebook. And make sure you ask about four wins, light, light logger at your local liquor store or have some delivered to your front door through the online shop at C A. well I was going to go with Noah Juleson but I can't now so I'm going to say first goal scored by a connect tonight will come off the stick of none other than Elias Pettersson
3: yeah I wanted to pick Garland because of the narrative right former Coyote uh, but who's going to stop the lotto line mm-hmm On the Coyotes, I'm not talking about uh, D-Pairs. I'm talking about their forward lines with uh, Schmaltz potentially not being in the lineup. I mean, Jack McBain is their number one center right now. So you pick PD. I'll go with uh, JT then. All right.
2: Do you want to start talking about Elias Patterson's contract? (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Not today. Not today, folks. Let's get to our Betway. Bet of the day brought to you by our friends over at Betway. You're an agitator, Quads. I am. I, I like it. I like it. I'm wearing my Stanchi's Reader gear today. I just realized everything I'm wearing is uh black. I got my black jeans on. Yeah, I like it. It's a good, good little fit. Sorry, I had to see that because I saw myself on camera. Can we uh, bring up the Betway? There it is. Okay. uh, Betway bet of the day. Of course, brought to you by our friends over at Betway. Vancouver Canucks to beat the Arizona Coyotes tonight. A $10 bet at minus 210 odds returns you 1476 over on Betway. The Canucks are very good on home ice. The Coyotes are not very good. They're a little bit banged up right now as well. It's going to be, the Canucks are going to win tonight. Uh, 19 plus play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly over at Betway. We'll wrap it up there for my co-host, Harmon Dial, our technical producer, Grady Sass, and our intern, Lachlan Irvin. My name is Dave Woodrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday. At 2 p.m., be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app.
0: Small details are big surfaces, tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns.